You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome back to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my bosom buddy, Bubby Castron. Hey, this isn't another edition of the Throwback Podcast. This is the 99th episode of the Throwback well, this Podcast. This is the Woodstock 99 edition. This is our Woodstock Bit 99. Bit of a missed opportunity. Uh, let's just do it again. We've done it once before. <laughs> we had our Woodstock 99 episode, but let's bring it back. We did do uh, Pearl Jam's 10 for our 10th episode. That shows the amount of effort we were putting in early on. Yep. Where we would think things out. We, we were already running out of albums by then. But we <laughs> did have Pearl Jam 10 in just like ready, locked, and loaded. That was nice. I still, I don't think you fully recovered from us doing the Goo Goo Dolls. I feel like that left a mark on you. A little bit. Uh, and the reason why um, I thought it was very important to do a, a, a different, very different type of artist uh, which we are doing today in the White Stripes, is I think it's very important for the future of the Throwback Podcast <laughs> that we had a celebrated um, artistically uh, musician uh, group. That was that was key, I think. And I think the White Stripes' big album, their second album, White Blood Cells, that qualifies. Look, we never promise anybody that we're going to do 99 episodes of excellent music. This podcast is not about... Everything's great because we had flawless taste and music was never shitty. No, this is about the music that we've grown up with and that we continue. Well, I kind of like that Goo Goo Dolls album, to be quite honest with you. I know you do. But, you know, some people out there don't Stop. like it so much. Since when did you start worrying about other people? Now, all of a sudden, 99 episodes in, you care about people? Some people in the streets are talking that it was the sign of the end of the show. That was all. Man. That's all. That's all. And You're I, the only person I've heard say that on any street and <laughs> in, in, in this guy, garage. My neighbor came up to me just before. He's like, you know, really love the show, uh, but does seem like maybe you're hitting the bottom of the barrel with uh, with Resnick and uh, what's his name? Robbie. Robbie and Maude. And Maude. Uh, well, he's really, first of all, your neighbor is very plugged in that he <laughs> that he knows not only that you have a podcast, but he really knows Maude, too. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Second of all, did that neighbor take down her uh, Cory Booker for president sign yet? Uh, it's a different neighbor, but yes, okay. th- that neighbor replaced it with another doomed uh, <laughs> Democratic candidate. Okay. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Yang though. Yang? It might have been Yang. Okay, I can it might have been Yang. Um, all right. I'm excited, though. White Stripes. Me That's too. Good. I'm very excited. This was a, an important album in my maturation. Why do you say that, Bob? Well, I don't know. We'll get into it. Okay. How about a teaser? Your maturation. Yeah. I this- like that. You like that? Yeah. I saved it. I saved it 99 episodes to use that expression. <laughs> um, how's everything else? What What do I need to know about you? Oh, Lego Masters. It looks like it has a chance to, to do something. Yeah, Lego Masters. Are There's a lot riding on that. There really is yeah. and was. Yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's been really cool actually doing something that people have seen. Oh, that's good. Like our first episode was viewed by over 10 million people. Whoa. And that immediately dwarfs the combination of everything else I've ever done in my life. Except for this podcast. Combined. Except for this podcast, obviously. (laughs) Throw the podcast in. Combine everything I've ever done, and I've been producing content for a long-ass time now. 10 million people in one week. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. That is very cool. And where can people watch it here in the States? It's on Fox. It's on Hulu. It's on the Fox Now app. 
It's on right after the Masked Singer. Thank you for all this promo time. You know, now, I mean, by the way. you really. This podcast has much. really only been used to promote your other more successful podcast. So it's nice that I finally have something to promote. I uh, know. I'm very excited that you have this, Bob. And it, it seems I watched it. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I think the children, the kids, children love it. Kids love it. They're all in. My son just called me before we started to say that he was talking to a kid at school who asked him if he's seen Lego Masters. Really? And Dean got to say, yeah, my dad worked on it. And I went there. I met the Brick Masters. I met Will Arnett. I'm sure he played it off very coolly. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. He, he <laughs> kind of made a couple subtle references. And then when the, he drew the child in, he let the rest of it out. No, he just blurted it all out and probably hit the kid in the face with a handful of Lego. <laughs> um, all right. So Bob, as you could tell, his career is just skyrocketing. Sky, finally. I had to wait till 40, but it's going to happen, guys. It's all happening. So we have the superstar of Hollywood here, Bob Kestrone. Feeling good. His maturation process through the roof. More with, uh, maturation. Today's album. Yep. Yep. Uh, and the White Stripes. It is their second album, right? Because I think Distilgish. Distill. Distilled. And the self-titled one. Oh, there's another one before. Yeah, it? but I think those were independent releases. So was this their first major label release? I believe it was. Sure. I, I could be wrong. Uh, on this show, it is the first major release. Yes. Uh, label release of the White Stripes. White blood cells, and I know. I know that you are getting ahead of yourself because before why? We, because before we get into the white stripes, we have to talk about why we're a day late. Oh, yeah. on this episode, we had all intentions of our 99th episode being something completely different. Oh yeah, just mixing it up, really mixing, chopping it up, it up. chopping it up. Uh, Dan and I, along with our friend Jason Zumwalt, and all of our families. Spent last weekend in Big Bear, California. Oh, yeah. Nice little getaway here in Southern California. We were very excited to take our kids up there to see snow and feel the freezing cold because, you know, you're up on a mountain. Mm -hmm. It's where people go skiing if you're in Los Angeles. That's where you head. And uh, I guess disappointed would be the word when we got there and it was 70 degrees and sunny. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't exactly. (laughs) Wasn't exactly what we had planned. A winter wonderland. But there was enough snow on the ground for snowball fights and for Dan to hurt himself while tubing. So, Shoulders a little tight. It's barking at me. So that happened. And uh, there was a lot of neglecting the children while we hung around this cabin drinking, mm-hmm. which was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And we had the idea for a 99th I, I actually embarrassed you in front of your two sons in the game of billiards. That was a rough one. I think I embarrassed myself. Thank you very much. That was a tough L for you in a big spot. I think it was mostly me just being a little drunk and not. Actually, not I not saw drunk, the light go out in Dean's eyes but not drunk when I put the eight ball in. He's like, so he's not going to come back? I was in. <laughs> he's got, he's, he'll get used to that disappointment. He spoke to me privately later in the weekend and he said, this changes everything. <laughs> so. I pulled him aside and I said, listen. I, I was drunk enough to play, but I wasn't like at that drunk point where I was good yet. You know, because you got to hit that drunk point before you get sloppy, but you're not like in your own head. And I wasn't quite there. So I explained that to him and he gets it now. And, you know, like uh, I, that I hope is not true. But I one thing I could tell you was true. Your oldest son, Dean, who's um, a very sweet child with big expressive eyes. At one point, uh, me and Jason were having um, a... Uh, cigar on the on the deck mm-hmm. and he looked up and he saw smoking a cigar and y- you would have thought 
that he saw me fornicating with your wife. By <laughs> the he cigar get, would, would be more disturbing since fornicating would just be completely over his head. He stopped, he stopped in his tracks and went, you smoke? <laughs> <laughs> Every day, and your daddy does too. No, no, we'll never know. <laughs> but it was great. It was a nice uh, weekend. And what we did try to do uh, was, you know, there's been this thing that's been going on with our wives um, for I would say 18 months now, you know, this podcast has been going on for two and a half years or so. And when my wife, occasionally we would be on a date night and as we were driving back, she would like say, Oh, I wanted, I could do the podcast. Why don't you invite me on the podcast? Mm-hmm. Why don't we, why aren't the women allowed to do a podcast? And it had come up. It was a lot of that. It was a lot of like when they were together, we were all together. Why don't you let us do Yeah, it? let's do it right yeah, now. And right. always we were like, ha, 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 laughing it off because, I mean, come on now. I mean, how is that going to go? <laughs> uh, but we decided as an experiment almost uh, that maybe, just maybe our 99th episode could have been the wives. Would be fun to just let him go wild. We were at Big Bear. Everybody was a little loose. The kids were in bed. So... Uh, I don't know. Do you want to do you want to let the listeners in on uh, how this went? I do. We recorded an episode. I have on my in front of me a full episode of the Throwback Pod that you're never going to hear. And here's why: we're going to play you the beginning of what should have been, could have been, would have been our 99th episode. Hi, you guys want some cookies? 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 Pod with Dan and Bob, but I know it doesn't sound like Dan and Bob. My name's Emily, and that is <laughs> oh Jesus, her name's Heather. I am Dan's wife. My name is Emily. I already said that. <laughs> you guys She's... are doing great so far. Thanks. Great start. <laughs> Um, so yeah, welcome to the Throwback Pod from Big Bear Lake, California. <laughs> Heather has completely lost her mind. Heather, no one wants to hear you laugh. <laughs> Do you realize people are listening to this? I think we. I think we better. Stay I can just see people time. unsubscribing right I'm now, sorry. like live. I can feel it. Uh, and there you have it. That is the. <laughs> I'd like to say it got better from there. You you would like to say that, but it can't really. I I <laughs> thought I actually I thought my wife Emily did very well, and uh, Heather after that bizarre uh, nervous gas laughing fit, she she got back on track. Yeah, they no, they did they did they did well. It's very hard to ask yeah. them to do what we were asking them to do, which is. Talking to mics, which neither had ever done before, right. and uh, essentially carry a podcast. And talk about a countdown from the mid-90s that they didn't know what was coming. They had no preparation. We, we sprung it on them. We gave them a shot, <laughs> and, uh, and we love them. We don't love them any less, but that is the is that, extent. Is that the line we're going with? Let, and the, the, that is going into the vault. And it's yet another <laughs> uh, another episode into the vault. We have about, well, this is our 99th episode that you've heard, and we have actually 104 episodes that are in the vault. Yeah, exactly. We've been doing four of these a week for the last three years, and we just throw out about 80% of them. Uh, we gave it a shot. 
Still we did. Love those girls. And it was a lot of fun. Yes, we had fun. Um, all right. What was going on, Bob? I'm going to say, because this, of course, was in the heart of the garage rock era of uh, modern rock music. It was an exciting time. Uh, and I'm going to say, because I know the Strokes album came out right around 9-11, put it on the board. And I'm going to say this album came out maybe six months before that, spring of 01. You're close. I like your logic. Although I wouldn't say that this was the the heart of the grunge move, the garage rock movement. Just grunge. Then. What are you stupid? I, they both begin with the same letter. Okay. All right. Let's start over. Um, I would say this was just the beginnings. That was completely real. It was just check. the beginning. I'm looking at you with wide eyes, like, why are you such an asshole? <laughs> I can't believe you would be such an asshole. Wait, you smoke? Wait, you're a fucking dick. <laughs> it came out July third, two thousand one. Okay, so I kind of almost yeah, you kind of it. almost yeah. nailed it. Uh, here's what else was happening in July 01. Drew Barrymore broke your heart and married Tom Green. Yeah, I loved Drew Barrymore. Absolutely. And she still is kind of, to me, the prototypical Dan girl, mm-hmm. uh, especially Drew at that time. Uh, she was not much older than us, despite the fact that she'd been famous forever. Yeah. And I had followed her career extremely closely uh, from about Poison Ivy on. Uh, and uh, when she did marry Tom Green, I thought it was kind of a little bit of a nice move because Tom Green had the testicular cancer at the yeah. time, right? And uh, I think maybe having the uh, the balls issues uh, got him Drew Barrymore ultimately, Tom temporarily. Green, Tom Green is kind of not thought about now or kind of forgotten overall. He was eclipsed even on MTV by the jackass guys just like a couple of years later. Right. But you want to talk about somebody who influenced me and my comedic maturation. Tom Green. What is with you and all the maturation today? <laughs> Tom Green was <laughs> fucking hilarious in 1999. Anybody who, yeah, who writes him off as a joke of the 90s, of the late 90s, Mm-mm. someone that should be viewed like in the same vein as Carrot Top no. is, is a complete piece of shit. His show wasn't like anything else. It was the first kind of public access lo-fi comedy that was coming on to MTV to a mass audience that worked. I mean, it was amazing. Why did you text me to pull my screen away from the mic? Because there was a little buzzing. Because yeah, but why didn't, why didn't you just say it? Because I didn't want to stop the show. Why are we being professional now? Because it's 99. It's time to start getting a little bit better at this. <laughs> just a little bit better than this. Um, yes, uh, the Bum Bum song uh, is... Probably what he's most famous for, or I don't, I don't know. know. Who knows? Who knows that? Road trip is probably what he's most famous for. Road trip, but the stuff, all the stuff with the, uh, Glenn Glenn Humpdick. Yeah, Glenn Humpdick. Humplick. Humpledick. His uh, his co-host, and when he would uh, the the one I do remember the most because back back in the day they would really every channel, especially the basic cable channels that had something popular, it would just be played all the time, right. over, and over, over and over and over, again. right behind the music on VH1 is another example. Uh, True Hollywood Story on E. All those type of shows that just get rerun into the ground. And there was barely an internet, so you weren't looking at any other screens. You were just looking at your TV. But the one where Tom Green takes like four or five audience members from the show and then drives them home in like his shitty car. Mm -hmm. And that home just happened to be Nanuet, which is the town next to Pearl River where we grew up. And then he takes the kids home 
And you, it's weird. It was almost bizarre because all the houses looked like our houses where we yeah. live. And he actually goes inside the house and wakes up the the parents in the middle of the night. It's the host of the TV show that the kids went to in Times Square. And he's in that bizarre Tom Green Canadian accent. They're home. They're home now. I Yes, Tom <laughs> yeah. Green. I, I'll, I'll stand for that guy. I'm going to put the cape on. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Let's be big Tom Green supporters. But, but where's the Tom Green renaissance? That always seems to happen. But I guess yeah, it just didn't happen. For you know him. what? It didn't happen. He never went away. Like he's still doing things, but just not at that mm. same level. If he, w- he went away pretty good. No, he's around making stuff, podcasts and YouTube shows. If he would have disappeared completely, I think there could have been a renaissance. Yeah. Well, it didn't happen. And, uh, and that marriage did not work out. Yes. You know, it did work out. The Office for Ricky Gervais, which premiered on BBC Two this month. Yes. Uh, movies that came out in July 01. The American Office season one and two. Better than the short, the abbreviated uh, British office seasons one and two fight me. It's amazing that a guy who's so concerned, who's suddenly so concerned about being cool and discounting the Goo Goo Dolls is willing to fight for the American office over the British office. That's not going to make you any cooler. Let let me clarify, not not season one of the American office, season two and three of the American office over the 12 episodes or whatever it was. And if you want to be cool, you have to say the British office is better. That's just how I feel. Okay. That's just, that's just my honest feeling. I've seen them both. Movies that came out that month. Bully, one of my favorite. One of my favorite genres of uh, movies is bored kids decide to kill somebody. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bully's really we good We should have that. done that. <laughs> we should have just killed somebody. Because we were bored all the time. There were like six movies that came out between 98 and 05 that that was the theme. We were just talking about that recently, about being a kid, a teenager, uh, in the 90s, or really a teenager anytime, because in, in your town where you live, Bob, I, I was in the town getting ice because you never have ice in your house. Bring your own damn ice. Uh, which just seems so ridiculous to me. But um, And there were just kids milling around on the Friday night, standing around doing nothing, because there's nothing to do when you're a kid. Yeah. Time never moves slower than when you want to be drinking and uh, having sex, and you can't do either because you're not really old enough yet. Right. And those, it's very hard to obtain both of those. Yes, things. exactly. So from like 15 to 21, time is just fucking dragging on. <laughs> Not for some kids, but I guess for us. <laughs> for us, it went it went pretty slowly. Pretty slow. Uh, Legally Blonde and Jurassic Park 3 also came out that month. Okay. And the number one song, the number one alternative rock song, when the White Stripes came and maturated all of us. Gross. Was this song? I'm the stained. stained. Oh, you've heard it. You've heard Dan sing it on this podcast and maybe even the other one. It's been a while since I could hold my head up high. And it's been a while since I first saw you. Lead singer of this band, he looked like every dude in Boston when I went to school up there that wasn't going to college. I think he was on my bowling team. Like, he just has that look. Like, the guys that if you went to the bars in Boston when you were underage, there was only a few that you could get into. And then those bars would 
usually be populated by a mix of kids from the colleges and then some local toughs. Mm-hmm. They all look like the guy from Stain. <laughs> yeah. And you just knew not to fuck with him. Don't fuck with that guy. That guy, like, he doesn't have muscles per se, but he could fucking kill you. Oh, yeah, he's thick. He's, he's got a little gut. Um, questionable facial hair. Questionable facial, facial hair. Definitely a tattoo. Uh, he's dressed like he, he just did, like, an extended a double shift at a local construction site and has been drinking since 501. The great thing about those guys, though, like Stained and the whole Stained type is they're all of those things but they're also the guys that like cry like a baby in their girlfriend's arms oh yeah like there's a lot of crying they'll like stomp your head on a curb yeah. and then cry in the woman's arms <laughs> I can't remember like over like a dateline episode yep or just like thinking about like second grade and about that time he saw his dad's friend smoking a cigar <laughs> Wait, is your son going to turn into one of these guys? I hope so. Aaron Lewis abstain? <laughs> All right, that song fucking sucks. Yeah, it's annoying. It's an annoying song. Songs, it's an annoying song from an annoying period of music. But revisiting some of these songs from the early 2000s from that new metal and new metal, ex- metal extended family. Yeah. I listened to them with fresh ears. I'm like, all right. Like when uh, My Sacrifice uh, by... <laughs> Creed came out. I was like, oh, this, you know, this fucking slaps, bro. <laughs> you are. Uh, but I can't get into it. I still can't get into it. It's been a while. Nah. Especially your like weird country twang version of it. And you know what? The uh, th- that's that music started to sound more ridiculous when we started to hear music like this coming through the cracks. Dirty Ground is the opening track off White Blood Cells. And this is such a great, great song. Great song. Great way to start off an album. Not the first song I had heard by them at the time. We're going to get to that. But I remember getting this album and putting this on. And there was nothing like this in 2001. Maybe if you live in Detroit and like your older brother was like a fucking cool guy that was on a cool bowling team with cool other cool guys. Maybe they, maybe they could have introduced you to Jack White or something, but 
in Baltimore, Maryland, where I was going to school, there was nothing like this. I heard nothing like this. song for all music i wish it was ste but it's not it's tom mcginnis he describes the song as a grimy rocker that notes itself uh, or displays itself for the duo's keen understanding of musical dynamics soft and loud soft and loud ste was probably still jizzing over the latest u2 album he wasn't ready for something new and fresh so that makes sense. You know what the best part of SD is? He would beat the shit out of you if he oh, could. Oh, come on. You think he's like Aaron Lewis? Come on. <laughs> he's got a neck as thick as Aaron Lewis <laughs> and a brain double the size. Uh, this was the third single released off White Blood Cells. It charted at number 19 on the Billboard Modern Rock charts and number 25 on the UK singles charts. Uh, this band and The Strokes, who will always be tied together, both connected in the UK and found an audience there uh, very quickly. Uh, I guess an, a reminder that the people over on that side of the pond always, I think, a little bit more adept at uh, picking up on the stuff that's good, even if it doesn't yeah. come from their area. No, they've always been better at that than us. Uh, and I just want to do a little fact checking here, Bob, that this is, yes, the third studio album. Also, this was an independent album. This is their final indie mm-hmm. album before the big breakthrough. And we have done a White Stripes album before. We did their huge album entitled well, Elephant. Elephant, uh, very early in the run of the Throwback Podcast. But check that out. It was our fourth episode. There you go. So that will give you an idea. Anybody that fall, any artist that falls in the first 10 or so episodes that we did, and that I believe covers Robbie Williams as well, <laughs> uh, is big-time artists that we both adore, and the White Stripes certainly fall under that. Umbrella, eh, eh, nope, eh, nope. under that no, umbrella. No, no, that's what's going to get us sued 99 episodes in, <laughs> was that. single off White Blood Cells, Hotel Yorba. Definitely the first song I heard from them uh, was this song released November 2001. And I fucking love this song. Fucking love it so much. It does show you their range as a a group. This is the first thing a lot of people heard from them. And this is not the sound of their music that I would think most people associate when they think of White Stripes, which is more driving guitars and drums going nuts. Uh, But it shows their versatility. And it's so different from that first song which with, with those heavy guitars and feedback. This is just, this is like a country song. It is. I love it. I love this it. This is great too. That fucking genius Jack White wrote and produced this entire album. 
It might sound silly for me to think childish thoughts like these. But I'm so tired of acting tough and I'm gonna do what I please. Let's get married. Speaking of let's get married, we definitely hit this hit this on the uh, first White Stripes album we did, but I'm trying to remember what was the Meg White, Jack White brother and sister angle in play yet by this album? I think it was immediately confusing for new listeners, which most of us were in 2001 to the white stripes about their relationship because they were, they were saying brother and sister, but there were in early magazine articles written about them. Like they were married or divorced. Like there was a lot of uh, question marks when they came out. I think that was part of their uh, mythology right off the bat. You know, we talk about our, Mount Rushmore of ladies of the aughts. Because, because we're classy. Uh, I'm trying to think when I put Meg White on there, just get like a, she would be the, uh, you know, the Teddy Roosevelt of the Mount Rushmore. Just a little bit of a wild card. The confusing, like, huh. Yeah, I might I yeah. might do that. Who was on the real Mount Rushmore? Washington, yeah. Lincoln, Jefferson, yeah. and is it Teddy? It is. Yeah, she would be the Teddy. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Should, should she be there? <laughs> All right, we'll put her on there. That's fine. Well, she was intriguing and quiet and, and curvaceous. Curvaceous. I mean, what's not to love? But this. Oh, I know it's not to love. She didn't talk. <laughs> Wait, that you're she saying she was mute. You're saying that's a negative after listening to our oh, wives try to do a podcast. Oh, <laughs> what is this? What was the uh, Al Bundy uh, anti-women? Group? No, no, ma'am. <laughs> You know, have I ever told you it's very trashy? That You've show? mentioned that once or twice. I I always stayed away from Married with Children. It just was a very low. It's, it was for low class. We, we get it. We get it. You're better than the Goo Goo Dolls and Married with Children. <laughs> I think that Hotel Yorba was one of the first songs I ever burned onto a CD. Whoa. I remember being uh, in the TV station at Towson University and we had a computer that could burn CDs and getting a big old, big old stack of CDRs. And having three or four White Stripe songs, and that was the first thing I wanted to get onto a CD. Mm. I remember, for me, I have a vivid memory of it because um, when I got to Northeastern for my junior year as a transfer student, I didn't have really a computer. I had an old computer from the 90s that didn't really work. It worked as a word processor only. Right. And I would have to go to the computer lab. Uh, this really dates me, but I would have to go to the computer lab to go online, which a lot of people did actually. And then when I went, came home from Christmas break of my junior year, I got a desktop computer from my parents mm. for Christmas, which is a game changer. And all of a yeah. sudden I had access and could do anything that anyone else could do. Uh, and then I quickly discovered it had CD burning capabilities and I don't think I picked up on it for a few weeks. And when I realized it, it was just, it changed everything. Everything. Uh, and I do remember the first disc I ever burned. And I, I don't even know why this is what I did, but I guess it just felt right at the time. And I think maybe they had an album coming out around that time. Uh, I made an REM Greatest Hits mm. disc. And how fun to make your own yeah. Greatest Hits CD. And then track one was Losing My Religion, a little basic, but you know, what are you going to do? And I remember burning it and it was past midnight and playing it. And then within... A couple of minutes, uh, the girls who lived downstairs banged on the door and complained that it was too loud. Uh, but th- it was a game changer to have the burning technology. And all of a sudden, not only could you make mixes and you were out of the cassette era, you also could start borrowing CDs yeah. from your roommates or your friends and building your collection without bankrupting yourself. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time to be alive. 
That all seems quaint now, but it was a game changer. Fall 2001 was a great time to be alive. Well, I'm finding it harder to be a gentleman every day. All the matters that I've been taught is Did you do 9-11? Save it for 100. But if I had the dope and for you, it wouldn't make your day. You get people that get on Meg White for not being a good drummer. When if you listen to it, every song is just like, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like a chicken and an egg scenario. There's no drum fill. Is it because that's all he's asking her to do, or is he only asking her to do that because he knows she can't do more? And then I think we know the answer to that. Right. Then there are the White Knights that will be like, well. What people don't understand is what she's being asked to do. Nobody could do that better, which I don't believe that either. <laughs> let's just let's just focus only on the drums. I mean, we could do that. Yeah, I and this like is not sexism. This isn't Al Bundy bullshit on the Castrone tip. This is just being honest. What has she done so far in this song that we could not do? That's Dan Hans' sexism. A whole new form of it that Al Bundy has nothing to do with. Like, no one's saying we could play guitar like this. I, I, Where are you at right now? Where's the dad band at? I'm getting there. What's the name of the dad band again? The Dad Bods. The Dad Bods. Yeah. Uh, do you have a band yet? No, I'm not. Did I'm, you learn how to play guitar? I've yet? had people ask me, and I'm like, not yet. Like, I was at your house last week, and I actually did notice that the guitar that you have on a stand in the living room, yes, which is a nice little, it's beautiful, showy move. It is a beautiful guitar. Uh, is actually physically collecting dust. Can I tell you what happened recently? That's not true. Can I tell you what happened recently? We have cleaners clean it. Can I? Uh, <laughs> the uh, friend of mine who is a composer, he composes uh, music for TV and film. He came over for the Super Bowl. And he picked it up and he was kind of like noodling around. And then he looked at it. He goes, holy shit, this is real. And I go, I know. Yeah, that was my dad's guitar. And this guy who makes a career making music goes, I've never played a real guitar before. What does that mean? Because it's like it's a real Fender Mustang from an era when Fender was making the guitar. He was explaining it to me, too. He's like, back then it was before they got bought out. Fender, like there's a serial number on each one. This is when like guitars were something like art like it was like a piece of art that people wanted to own and you let that thing sit in the corner of the room i'm gonna learn how to play it and start a band this year so a lot's happening your dad just looking down shaking his head (laughs) so disappointed in you looking at me like dean looked at you did he did uh your dad play guitar Mm mm-hmm Where's the genes? Where is it in you, Bob? Uh, you've heard me play. Where's the DNA? You've heard structure? me play the Violin Femmes and like the baseline to satisfaction on a guitar before. Like you know, I can do it. I got to see some of this DNA surface. It's coming out. You're firmly in middle age. I taught myself how to play the Final Countdown on the uh, keyboard. <laughs> Your wife told me about that too. She said it's very annoying. It's the most annoying. thing. It's that's very ever annoying. Happened. Yeah.
song is one minute and 50 seconds long. It was released on my 22nd birthday, April 23rd, 2002. Fell in love with a girl, one of the signature songs of the White Stripes. Wow, you could uh, almost legally fuck this song, Ben. <laughs> it's close. Getting there. It's close. Uh, this was a great introduction for a lot of people because this is the song that caught fire on MTV because it had the famous Lego video. Speaking of Lego, Lego Bob, Lego! Of Lego. <laughs> That's the only reason I picked this album for tonight was to promote Lego Masters. I figured I knew I would just walk you right into that setup, but it's already happened, so we don't have to do it again. But it was an incredible video that I believe won VMAs at the time. It got or it played. was at least nominated. It was at least nominated, but it was played a ton. And in an era when... Creed and Stained were still dominating the charts. I think because of that video, the White Stripes were able to kind of grab hold of MTV, which even the Strokes never did well. No, I don't think they... Maybe last night, but... Someday got some play. Like, they, they, someday, had, cool, but they had cool videos that I think MTV was trying to include because they knew that there was something cool there where the White Stripes made a video that you just kind of had to play. Yeah, and I think when I think of the garage garage rock revival or whatever they called it, that's a song. I think of that song. Yeah, to totally. me that is like the fact that it's under two minutes long, that it is n- no bullshit. It's just so um, energetic, and it's all guitars and vocals and drums, and there's just something about it that was so fresh uh, in the era that it came out that it just stood out it it really is you i kind of get a little bummed out thinking about these things sometimes uh when uh what was that what was it was a um oh radiohead i was listening to this other music podcast it's not nearly as good as ours but okay. it's uh chris ryan and chuck klosterman have a new music podcast. Yeah, ours is, I will say, I listened to a little bit too. Ours is definitely better than that. And uh, they were talking about OK Computer, an album that we've done on the show, and how when it came out, it was greeted with just an out, outlandish amount of praise <coughs> about this is the beginning and the end and the be- end-all, be-all of rock music and it's it, what it says about life and culture in the moment. And um, I didn't, when I, we were 17 or whatever, when that album came out, didn't appreciate that peak Radiohead. I kind of wish I did. Uh, and this this stuff we did kind of appreciate in the moment because we loved the music as it was coming out. But I don't think you always fully appreciate when somebody as special as Jack White uh, comes around until 20 years past and there's been no one like him, even remotely like him since. Right. Uh, so it's kind of the nostalgia listening to this music is pretty hardcore. Um, Dan Auerbach would disagree with that. But... Um... <laughs> Yeah, this Team White. yeah Hotel Yorba was the introduction to the White Stripes, but this was the song, like you said, along with Last Night by The Strokes that really kicked off a whole new movement in music, at least on kind of the bigger mainstream popular level. And it was awesome. It was awesome to be there for it. I think in the Grammys the following year after this came out, I think it was like one of those things where it was like, the show either opened or it was at some point of the show, but 
they did a garage rock mega mix. You're thinking of the VMAs. This is in this is mentioned in the book Meet Me in the Bathroom. Are the vines involved? It was, I think, the hives or one of those two. The the vines, the strokes, and the white stripes were all kind of lumped together. And they all shared the stage yeah. in different areas of this huge stage. Uh, I assume at Radio City M- Music Hall. It was MTV's way of just checking the box of we we're aware. We know that this is a thing. But imagine it being 2002 or whenever that award show was and feeling like we just had to group this into a four and a half minute block rather than the whole show should have been about this music. But that's just an angry dad yelling. Angry dad yells in microphone. (laughs) All right. Here's expected. By the way, this album is by far... Uh, the of any album we've done has the shortest songs. Yeah. Most clock in around two, two and a half minutes. This is right at two minutes. The next song, Little Room, is about 45 seconds long. Yes. So this actually, Bob, this is the only situation, uh, this type of punk-type vibe, where I will relent on the no, never longer than 12 tracks. Oh, wow. This is big. Yeah. This is so big. Yeah. Pinch yourself. that drum it's cool to hear this because now that we live in an era of spotify and playlists i can't remember the last time i heard this song this song nowadays just gets kind of skipped over and kind of falls by the wayside as you're curating your own music but at the time it wasn't something where i'd say i need to go listen to expecting but it was cool to hear this kind of song Mm. and i also think that uh this album really hangs together very well it's a great album. Yes. and Because it, it all sounds of one piece, but also maybe it gets a little bit repetitive in the back end, but I just, all these songs sound so fresh even now. Yep. All right. So you teed up this next song, Little Room. I am very excited to hear this. I used this song as a commercial for my college TV show, Pregame. Did you get that cleared? Of course. We spent thousands <laughs> No, of course not. We we played all 45 seconds of this song, and that was the commercial we used to advertise my TV show. So uh, let's just play it. It's let's so just good. play the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, we It can't be helped. We must play the whole thing. Well, you're in your little room, and you're working on something good. But if it's really good, you're going to need a bigger room. And when you're in the bigger room, you might not know what to do. You might have to think of how you got started sitting in your little room. I can play this drum. That's it. That's it. You know what that the kind of yodeling at the end sounds like to me? Joel. It's like, fuck you, Fred Durst. <laughs> fuck you, uh, Aaron Lewis. Don't say fuck you to Aaron Lewis, dude. <laughs> He's going to beat the shit out of you and then cry in his girlfriend's arms. My loyalty is with my family and my friends. And if you cross any of them, you're fucking dead. Look, look here's the thing. Aaron Lewis is a friend of mine. Look, look, he's a tough guy. He could be a bit of a dick. But you know what? When push comes to shove... 
give you the shirt right off his back. Even if it's the last one he has. Even if it was the last one he has. Even if it is. This podcast is so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, that is the ultimate red flag. We have talked about this on the podcast, but. What? What? If somebody says of their friend, <laughs> no, you're allowed to explain a joke. More yeah, than if that's someone fine. says, if there's a guy that's a bit of a brute and a troublemaker, a drunkish lout, uh, and then a friend to defend him makes a comment, he'd give you the shirt off his back if it's the last one he had. Yeah, that's when you know for sure that guy's an asshole. Yeah, it's kind of like in your other podcast, uh, not to be named. You have like the Kai's Kai thing where it's like when somebody describes somebody else and says, yeah, Dan, Dan, yeah, no, I know Dan. Well, you know, Dan's Dan. Like, you know that that person's a piece of shit. Yes. Same thing. That's a Dave Damashek observation. That's right. Yeah. And uh, this is an exact same. Once you hear someone say, oh, yeah, Aaron's Aaron. You know, that's just who he is. Like, you know, that person, (laughs) without even realizing it's a bit of a La Ravio Magnifico. Yep. Has let it be known that their friend is a piece of shit. Yeah, and they know it, but they'll they have to defend him. Hey, you know, Aaron's Aaron. You know, he's gonna beat up college kids when he has the seventh beer. <laughs> can't do that whose favorite son can definitely just by his action has the traction magnets on the run who likes to smoke enjoys a joke and wouldn't get a bit upset if he were really broke with wealth and fame this is when jack white invented rock i'll bet you five is not alive that's great yeah so good excellent not my favorite song on the album no i I did always like that part yeah I think that the White Stripes were, it was kind of like a perfect combination of all these different factors of like shitty music for years, file sharing and CD burning, Napster, um, being 21 years old and wanting to discover music, like having the desire to find new music. It kind of all happened at the same time for us, which is, I think, why we're so drawn to the White Stripes. Did, did you ever see them live? I did. I saw them. When I was interning at, no, was I interning? No, I was working at MTV and a friend of mine and I left during lunch because they were playing a free show at Union Square. You could have just said a friend and I. What did I say? You said a friend of mine and I. Well, I didn't know I was going to say the end. I was kind of thinking about where the show was. I'm trying to remember. This was a long ass time ago. Dan's Dan. This I was mean, damn near 20 years ago. Dan, you know. He'd give the show off his back. It was the last yeah. one he had, but uh, you know, Dan's he's gonna be. Dead. Yeah, we were working MTV. We were working at MTV. We left. We hopped on the subway. We popped out at Union Square, and I remember walking into Union Square, coming up from the subway, and the show had just started, and we were able to get right close to the stage and see Jack and Meg White play these songs and Elephant songs, and it was amazing. I would have loved to put on a Meg White wig 
and play one of those Radio City shows they did with the Strokes. Oh, yeah. And see if it gets like written up anywhere that there was a different drummer. <laughs> a bustier drummer. On a blanket in the clover. On the pantheon of people I can't sound like if I try to sing like them, Jack White's up there. <laughs> like, I don't think I could ever properly do a White Stripes karaoke or imitate his voice in any way. He has a very unique sound. I can't go high either. You can go high. You have a good falsetto. I can go high. high. Don't, I can't do that. So. And I can go low. <laughs> not that low. I'm going to bring him up for the second time today on the second podcast that I've done today. I am humble brag able to go lower than the guy with the cane from Boys to Men that did all the spoken <laughs> word parts. You can't go lower than that guy. Nobody can. Baby, I love you. That's not that And low. I've always loved you. But I can also go high. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> low high, low high. This is a music podcast. Uh, all right. <laughs> I really like that last song, by the way. We are musicians. Yes. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are going to be friends. I can tell that we are going to be friends. Hello and welcome to Conan Needs a Friend. I'm your host, Conan O'Brien, and with me as always, my trusty assistant, Sona Mosesian. I love that podcast. Me too. And Conan is uh, the brother I always wanted to have, the older brother. Sorry, Kevin. Uh, Kevin is a younger brother. Um, but I do, I am conflicted that this song is almost, I don't really think about it as a White Stripes song anymore. It's hard, yeah. No, this song I always loved. It was kind of like a hidden gem. It was a great one to put on a mix CD. I yep. remember putting it on CDs because it was very accessible and weird, but it's like, oh, it's the White Stripes. It's like when Adam Carolla claimed the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, you know? It's like that the same fine. thing. That was fun. clean up and now it's time to learn. Do you, think there, do you think there are people watching? Do you think there are people watching Corky Romano that are like, "Oh, that was my favorite part, but now it's ruined." <laughs> you guys want some cookies? This is so White Stripes that, uh, according to Wikipedia, this song was released in late 2002. Nobody knows exactly when it was released. Just roughly late single. 2002. We don't notice any time pass. We don't notice anything. Sit side by side in every class. Teacher thinks that I sound funny, but she likes the way you sing tonight. I'll dream of Very Love that part. Love the song. Pretty song. So pretty. And so different than everything that's been played up until this point. It's just, like you said, it's an album in full, and he really shows all he can do. Which it turns out was just the beginning. But. It's a pretty incredible mix of songs. 
The AV Club called it the album's most shocking track, and All Music called it a sweet acoustic ballad that takes a nostalgic look back at the innocence of school days with a surprisingly sensitive vocal as Jack White expertly paints impressions of days past with deft economy. An apprentice of Stephen Thomas Erlewine must have written that because that's well put. I would love to see Stephen Thomas Erlewine beat the shit out of you, Bob. It's not going to happen. And like afterwards, I would visit you at the hospital and I'd get your spirits up and I'd be like, hey, you, you know, they're only going to have to keep your jaw wired shut for seven months. And looking at the bright side, you're going to lose a bunch of weight and you're going to look great when, you get, when you're able to eat food again and all that. And, but like inside, I'll be like, yes, finally, ST, shut that bitch up. I'm waiting until your kids are old enough to tell them that I beat you in pool on your wedding day. I feel like they wouldn't really, right now it wouldn't really mean too much, but when they're old enough to know like how disheartening that was. But think about, think about this. First of all, let's reiterate, if you're just joining the podcast, that I embarrassed Bob in <laughs> pool uh, in front of both of his sons this past weekend. You beating me once in pool on my wedding day when pool is literally the last thing in my mind. If there's one day you could ber- beat a guy in any sport endeavor, it's an hour and a half before he gets married. And for you to, to basically plant a flag over that, mm. that's a disgrace. It's actually, you're that actually, is a you're bad so, look. You're so far off base on this because you should be invincible an hour and a half before your wedding. What am I on, cocaine? And it's a shame that you know everybody could be like, oh, that was the happiest day of my life. But I know deep down it can't be the happiest day of your life because I beat you in pool. <laughs> I mean, you're not a great competitor, so there it does it does beat it does kind of eat at me a little bit. But then you have to think about, oh, I was getting married that same day. I also backed a rental car into a tree. <laughs> uh, it was my sister's rental car uh, because I realized that I had gotten one fewer whiskey bottles than I needed for my asshole wedding party yeah. that you were a part of, and it was probably your bottle. Uh, so. Again, to take you into the mind of the groom on the wedding day, a little scatterbrained. Right. So if you want to take no, the W, go ahead. I'm taking the W, and I also I feel like I didn't want to bring it up again, especially on the podcast, that that viral wedding photo of you, that's when you realized that you lost to me on your wedding day. That's the face you're making. <laughs> one of my favorite songs in this I album. was going to say the exact same fucking thing. I love the guitar in it. Me too. And how it uh, it's, it gets a little, uh, it has a little bit of extra personality too as the song goes on, uh, the way he like ramps it up and up and down. It's good white. It's not a good white. I mean, that's a little racial. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the man personally, but never
know much about how music production works, but I feel like this album is produced really well. Yeah, it just sounds so fucking good, and I would imagine that a lot of people, aspiring musicians or people that were contemporaries in that era, listened to this album and then tried to make an album that sounded like the White Stripes. Well, album. it's tough to make something sound stripped down and raw without sounding shitty, and they pulled it off. Right. You have to have the chops and the songs and the licks and all that stuff, and they and they did. Yeah, all that's right. uh, yeah, that's a great song. Love just offend in every way. Fun, it's great. Offend in Love every that. way. Uh, here's another memorable song in the album. I think I smell a rat. Why has this not been in a Tarantino movie yet? I think I smell a rat. Oh, I think I smell a rat. Oh, you little kids seem to think you know just where it's at. Oh, I think I smell a rat. Walking down the street, carrying a baseball bat. Guitar. That personality. That personality reminds me of just later White Stripes. Like I feel like Icky Thump had a lot of that same sort of Spanish guitar. Yeah, I could hear that. Is he the best guitarist of the last twenty years? Let's take John Mayer out of this. I um, I did. <laughs> He's already taken out of this. Uh, John Mayer shreds, bro. I know you think John I've Mayer seen shreds. John Mayer in concert at the Hollywood Bowl. Remember when everybody was like, you know, Johnny Lang is like the best young guitar player. <laughs> Johnny, Lang. Johnny Lang got a weird amount of uh, mileage. Got a lot of mileage. In about 1998 or so, was it? <laughs> yeah. 99, 2000? Yeah, around there. He was like an 18-year-old wonderkind who could shred, and he was a young, hot, Aryan-looking boy. Like, keep an eye on this guy. This is the future of guitar. <laughs> Where is he? I have no idea. Nobody said his name out loud in 20 years. That's like, what's going on with the guy from uh, Bright Eyes? Oh, he there, there. He, what's he up to? He's back. They're putting out a Bright Eyes album this year. But his whole hook was that he was like nine years old when he put out that album. It was like, this is so mature for his age, but now he's like 40. No, he's been putting out solo albums for the last few years. He put out an album with uh, Phoebe Bridges last year. He's kicking. He's doing things. I don't know. Why are you trying to bury Connor Oberst? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think... I just think one of his hooks was how young he was. And then you're not young anymore, so what do you got at that point? Great songs. He's a great songwriter. Oh, Connor Oberst is still putting out great music? Absolutely. I could fucking hit you with <laughs> five Connor Oberst songs that you would say, that's that's pretty good. It's really good. Anything that it would touch the distance of here by live? No, obviously not. But who, I mean, that's not a fair comparison. I know. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. It's not fair. Shouldn't have said that. Wait, did I play? Was that? I think I smell ratchet now. Yes, it was. All right, I skipped the track. Hang on. Aluminum. Aluminium. Oh, I remember this. This is a little weird. This one. 
Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little mid-album filler. I mean, it's not even a song. It's noise. I, mean, I feel like Jack. <laughs> I feel like Jack White would say it's a song. <laughs> um, all right, I apologize, Bob. Connor Orbis has put together a long uh, career. Yeah, and he deserves more credit. You got to plug into him because you would actually enjoy. This is it. a single off his last album. <laughs> this is not. This is not Connor Orbis. Don't do this. Hold on. You're doing so many things wrong right now. Stop it. <laughs> I pick you up by your puppy scrub. Stop it. Oh. Does he take a gun to school too? Stop it. Here's uh no. No, come on, you gotta stop it. No, you have to lower it at some point. Not to Puppy Scruff, bro. No, we can't go all the way to Puppy Scruff. Yes, we need each other. Oh, my God. This is awful. We gotta love each other. No, you gotta... Please. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst part. Oh, Okay. The show has reached a new low. Not well, only, I, not only are you, slandering, you up by your slandering and libeling Connor Oberst. By, I'll live on that one. I will survive that, that. But to put that piece of shit in the middle of <laughs> white blood cells <laughs> is just offensive. <laughs> Irredeemable. I, can I be quite honest with you? That song to me is. Definitely in the top five of songs we've heard tonight. Oh, my God. I pick you up by your puppy screw. <laughs> and we didn't even get to the Tricky solo. <laughs> it wasn't getting better. Tricky was about to drop some bars, bro. <laughs> I can't wait till you try to come back. It is a little weird to think that five... By live with the lead single Simple Creed came out in the same year as White Blood Cells. Oh my god. A little bit of a passing of a torch, you could say. What do you think you're trying to do? What if Ed Kowalczyk replaced? Jack White, and it was Ed Kowalczyk and Meg White in the band. How do you think Meg would handle that? Ed and Meg? Live Stripes? <laughs> Live Stripes. I'd plug into that. I'd check it out. Of course. Does this mean, hold on, does this mean when they did I Alone, Meg would have to do the thing in the music video where she's just kind of the like drummer. fake drumming and like does, doesn't know what to do with herself? The poor drummer in the I Alone video. He's not even fake drumming. He's just like he's like he's not he's not dancing. He's no. not fake drumming. He's not even moshing. 
I don't know what he's doing. He's got nothing video. to do. He's just kind of standing there. But it had there had to be something else he could do. But you know what? The, the video director didn't put him in a good spot to no, succeed. Bad spot. Because the drummer, by his very nature, is not the most charismatic guy in the band. <laughs> and you're asking him to somehow improvise his way through four minutes in front of a camera. I would love to see Meg White do that. Actually, I'd be okay with it. Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can't wait. That was. Like it. Got to keep moving, though. There's a lot of tracks. Here's Now Mary. Now Mary. Oh, yeah. Beatles type uh, melody there. I'm sorry, Mary, but yeah, this uh, so the first kind of batch of White Stripe songs I was able to find off Napster from their like, first two albums and this. This reminds me of um, "You're Pretty Good Looking for a Girl," mm. which was like my favorite song. It definitely burned on the same CD as "Hotel Yorba." Like I love when they have this sort of like you're saying Beatlesy kind of sound to their work. Um, I want to go back real quick. To fell in love with a girl, not fell in love with a girl. Uh, to uh, what is it? We're gonna be friends. Yeah. Because I was thinking about the where else it showed up, and it was two very visible places in pop culture. One was they played that song on the last show of Late Night with Conan O'Brien, which yes, when Conan got screwed over by NBC and Jay Leno, and he knew he was going off the air. And I remember was living in Hollywood when this happened. And those last couple of weeks of shows were so amazing, effing good. Amazing. Uh, because Conan knew he was done and it was over and he just didn't care. And then he had all these great musical guests and to have White Stripes play that song. It was Conan's favorite song. Did they play the whole last week? Like, I feel like he had them on a few times towards the end. They definitely had a big presence. Yeah, I, can't I can't remember if it was multiple shows. Uh, but a movie you hate also, Bob, that came out in 2004, Napoleon Dynamite, the uh, movie opens with that song in full uh, opening credits where they have a kind of a cutesy um, kind of montage of different cutouts and kitty type things to do the opening credits for the, um, the stars of the movie and the director. And they use that entire song. Don't hate the movie. You have always been down on Napoleon never Dynamite. Never seen it. You've never seen it? Not the whole thing. I don't like what I've seen. You're such a weird comedy guy because you don't watch anything and you don't like almost anything you see. And yet you work in the industry. That's fairly accurate. (laughs) Uh, Napoleon Dynamite is very of its time, but I, whenever it comes on, if if I'm sitting there, I will watch it because there's a lot of funny parts. And they requested to use that, uh, that song for the movie. They sent it to the White Stripes, who promptly approved the song's use in the film. So, come on, Bob. If it's good enough for Jack mm. and Meg, yeah. it's good enough for you. Meg probably approved it. That's probably why they separated. <laughs> All right, here is the uh, penultimate track, I Can Learn. I Can Learn.
Like, what are you what are you into right now? What is a, a comedy show that you like? I am actively. I am watching in full because I've never seen it in full. The Larry Sanders Show currently. I mean, something that's come out in the last twenty five years. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think on that. Shit, my dad says. That's the other thing. Bob doesn't have great instincts on what will do well with the culture. That's not true at all. Um, Multiple bets I've made with him about what will do better than another thing, and I always win the bet. Not always, but most infamously. Yes, this is the most infamous. In 2010, Mike and Molly uh, came out at the same time as Shit My Dad Says, starring William Shatner. And Bob was certain that 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 show was going to be a hit show. How certain was he? He bet me that it would. I don't think you ever paid up on it, but you bet you bet me something. I did. And uh, Mike and Molly, I think, went <laughs> off the air last year and is on its syndication playing right now somewhere. And shit, my dad says, lasted about seven episodes. So I was a yeah, no, out. that was a miss. That was a big miss. <laughs> We also did one about the box office of a movie. Uh, it was the John Krasinski, Robin Williams, Mandy Moore movie, <laughs> Licensed to Wed. And you thought it was going to make like $50 million or something? It no, was... no, no. I was... I Yes, I did think it was going to make You money. thought it was going to make over $25 Whatever it was. It was like opening weekend. I thought it was going to make over whatever we set the over under. Yeah. And it didn't. It but did then, not. But then it went on to make a shit ton of money. Oh, stop. So it fucked me twice because I lost the bet. <laughs> and, but I was right in my thing that, in my theory that America's stupid and we were going to all go see this movie. So it ended Nobody up... Nobody knows that that movie even is. No, of course not. It's a piece of shit. But it ended up making money eventually, like over time. So it... it Reinforced my fears about America, and you won, so it was 0 for 2. It's terrible. <laughs> All right, this is the last track, This Protector. I'm going to look up how that movie did. What License to Wed made money. Did it make back its budget? In both of these cases, by the way, I had logic on my side. Shit My Dad Said had William Shatner. Who what does that mean to have William Shatner on your was, show in 2010? He was big at the, he was hot at the time. What? Yeah, he was coming off those Priceline ads. He had like a lot of stuff going on. He was kind of like an ironic celebrity at the moment, kind of like in that Christopher Walken level. So he had a lot of a lot of heat. Apparently not. I think he had like a big CBS show that like moms watched. Like there was a lot. Of, look, there was a lot going for Shatner at the time. All right, Bob, you you are correct. It actually doubled its budget. Boom. Worldwide. Yes, but it also had a shitty not opening. Not just US. It had a shitty opening weekend. So it just made back its budget in the U.S. Uh, it made almost $44 million total on a $35 million budget, uh, but cleared $70 million cumulative worldwide gross. So you did lose twice. I lost twice. And you know, I bet Robin Williams helped them overseas. Right. Rest in peace. 300 people living out in West Virginia Have no idea of all these thoughts that lie within you But now Just Meg and Jack sitting at a uh, sitting at a piano in some dusty Memphis studio recording one of the most important albums of its era, White Blood Cells.
So cool. Love listening to it again. It's been a while since I've heard the whole thing from start to finish, but that's what we do here on the Throwback Podcast. Yeah, we do. 99 episodes in, and we wouldn't be here without Dan. Patrione.com. Give it to me low. Patrione. Patrione. Patrione.com. Slash throwback. Patreon.com slash throwback pod. Thank you to everybody who contributes $2 a month, $6 a month, $40 a month, whatever you got to keep this podcast alive. Thank you to our top tier sponsors, Uh uh Courtney and Wyatt and their beautiful twins. Oh, what what blessings. I assume they're beautiful. We haven't seen them in person or. I'm sure they're good looking people. They're not monsters. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you to them. And, of course, to Bruno, the sponsor, who I assume is still alive <laughs> because money is still coming out of his bank account every month. So, Bruno. Didn't we check in with him at some point last year? And he was like, don't connect with me. <laughs> just do what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love this guy. We are checking in with him like every few months just to make sure it's all Didn't still Didn't we cool. try to get him laid? What's no, wrong we, with that? I tried. We succeeded. That's why he's still sponsoring us. Oh, man. Is he boning? You have to assume. That must be it. You're right. That must. Why else would you support this podcast? I have no idea. But thank you to everybody on patreon.com slash the robot. They should sponsor us with that. With that song, they should be our sponsor. You just blew a vocal cord. <laughs> You're too old for that. Uh, all right. We got to pick a song, Bob, for the throwback podcast. And playlist. you know what's important? This is the 100th song on the playlist. Why? What happened? Remember, we recorded an entire episode. That then it turned out didn't record. Oh, that hurt. But out of anger, we still put the song on the playlist. So Lisa Loeb's Stay is on our playlist because we did an episode that never recorded. That's right. So this right here is our 100th song on our Spotify playlist. Mm. It's a big one. It was an easy one. It is. This is not what I was thinking. No, we can't stop it. Stop it. I'll pick you up like a puppy scrub. I'll put you to go to school too. All right, come on. Jack White. If anybody's ever going to write us an angry letter, it's Jack White. <laughs> I only I only write letters. Jack White's that guy. <laughs> yeah, he is. I don't use computers. All right. What do you think? This is this is a weirdly tough one. I these are the. The options that jump out to me. See, I mean, I love Conan, but I feel like he jacked up. I feel like he jacked up. I feel like we can't do it. Uh, offend in every way and or uh, Hotel Yorba or Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground. Those three. You have any crossover there with your three? Yeah, I want Hotel Yorba. Okay. I just, um, that song always makes me happy. Okay. So there you go. Hotel Yorba. Is the 100th entry to the Throwback Podcast playlist, which you can find on Apple Music. Can you, though? Can you really? It's out there. Is it updated? I do need to update it. Okay. Let's see where we're at. We're probably not in a good place. Uh, but you could also find it on Spotify. The official if you're one of those people. Spotify playlist. Um, Follow and- us on Twitter at ThrowbackPod, Instagram at ThrowbackPod. Thank you. 
to our buddy Eric in Philly for keeping that thing alive. How about that? How about that guy? What a mensch. That guy. He was there for all my maturation in but, 2001. Oh, yeah. You never you never mentioned why this gave you such maturation. It was just like... I don't want to know. There's something about it that's grossing me out. It was just a great album. Just a great album at a time when you wanted a great album. You can't tease maturation like that and then forget to talk about the maturation. <laughs> I didn't forget. You an forgot. hour and 15 minutes, but Nope. Saving it. All right. I, I, you know what? We're heading towards episode 100. It's going to be a special one. Uh, and since I haven't gotten any feedback about the end of show slogan, it's just going to continue to roll with it. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, we got no, no feedback on that and no feedback on iTunes in a while. Go rate and review us on iTunes. If you're not sponsoring this podcast, that's fine. Go give us five stars and leave a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening. And remember, you're not old. This music is. Yeah. Beat it. <laughs> <laughs>